I'm Dr. Tanya Bailey. Welcome to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast-based broadcast. You can find more information on demand at lccconnect.com. Go ahead, do it today. Arts, Artists, and Advocates is a series of conversations and performances that explores diversity, equity, and inclusion through the arts and activism. We're highlighting the work of people on our campus and in our community that's making a difference. Structural racism and lack of representation in schools have often been a problem, especially for Black, Indigenous, People of Color, or BIPOC. These students often find a hard time getting a sense of belonging while on campus. Well, today on Arts, Artists, and Advocates, we are proud to feature four advocates for student success. They believe in the notion that representation matters, and they work tirelessly every day so that all students feel important. I'm excited to bring this important information to you today, and our show is entitled Representation Matters. Please welcome to the show my amazing guest, Dr. Nathaniel Cologne, Deb Kay, <laughs> Amina Lott. Come on and give them a round of applause and show them some mad love. Hey, everybody. Hello. 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm going to do a quick round of introductions so that the audience knows exactly who's in the room today. We're going to start with the amazing, incomparable, <laughs> she's blushing, Deb Kay. Go ahead, Deb. Tell us who you are. Hi, Dr. Bailey and everyone out there listening to us. Um, I'm very happy to say that I am now working for the ODI, Office ah. of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Yay. in the Cesar Chavez Learning Center, located in the Arts and Science Building, mm -hmm. Room 1313. Yes. Come and visit. And I am um, working with students for the Access Program, okay. formerly known as the TRIO Program. Mm -hmm. Access is access to college, careers, with excellence through student services. What a cool name. I love it. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mouthful. Access does it. <laughs> Access does it. Well, we also are joined today um, by Amina Lott. Uh, she is going to introduce herself at this time. Go ahead, Amina, and welcome. Thank you for having me. I am the coordinator of the WISE Institute here at Lansing Community College. And I also have this small thing I do on the side where I am the executive assistant to Dr. Tanya Bailey. Oh my goodness, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that just means Amina is, uh, the A is for amazing. Uh, so you're doing more than one, one thing over there. So thank you for being here. And I am proud to welcome to LCC community a new member to our campus and to the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. Dr. Nate, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Dr. Nate. I'm glad to be here. I'm the new director of the Cesar Chavez Learning Center, and I'm excited to be a part of the team at LCC. 
Yeah, that sounded like a commercial. <laughs> yeah, we, we should have recorded that. Okay. Sounded good. <laughs> really good. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you all are here. As I mentioned before, today's topic is on representation matters. So we're going to focus all of our energy on that. And our first segment, I want our audience to get to know you a little bit better. And Deb, you did a great job starting off about where you work and, and some of the things that you do. But I want to kick it over to Amina really quick um, and, and answer this question for our listeners. Uh, tell us about where you're from and how that impacts the work that you do, particularly like with the WISE program. Oh, absolutely. Definitely informs the work that I do. So I'm from Detroit. Yay. Um, and one benefit I had being a black woman from Detroit is that it is uh, among the most densely populated black cities. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with a lot of representation in a lot of spaces. Nice. And what I bring to the WISE Institute is this familiarity with black people in multiple posts, in multiple positions. Nice. And so um, I know that sometimes I interact with participants. We call them our WISE scholars. Yay. Who <laughs> may not have that representation. I've seen something they have not seen, mm -hmm. and it is to convince them that it exists, to show them, to expose them, to bring that to where they can see it also. I love that. Oh, we have a, a WISE is an acronym, so you have to tell our audience what WISE stands for. Absolutely. It is Women Inspiring Scholarship and Excellence. Ooh, say it again in the mic. Yes. <laughs> women Inspiring Scholarship and Excellence. I love it. And you self-identify as female. I do. And so your experiences have been really impacted by this program that you're now leading for those that do the same, yeah? Absolutely. And um, something that is very unique, I think, um, about my program is that we service women of all ages. And this particular mm. cohort we have have a lot of women who are over 35. What? And Shout so out. I am coordinating <laughs> programming um, mostly for wise scholars for whom I am their junior. <laughs> well, shout out to adult learners. Listen, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, I can't go back to school or there's no possible way for me to get a connection because of my age, we throw that out the window. There is a program for you called WISE. So Amina's going to tell us more in just a few minutes, but I got to get to Dr. Cologne. Uh -huh. Yes, tell us about uh, where you're from and how that impacts the work that you're now doing in the Chavez Center. Okay, I'm from New York City. I'm from Harlem in particular. And now you guys got a call. You got something like it. when you say New York, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, something, right? <laughs> it depends. Um, we just say Harlem World most of the time. Harlem World. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm black in Puerto Rico, so I'm half black, half Puerto Rico, so representation matters to me a lot because I've always kind of struggled to fit in because growing up I wasn't black enough and then I don't look mm -hmm. Hispanic enough, but I have a Hispanic last name. So I've always kind of been kind of to myself and just trying to find spaces where I could feel included. So I think that's important for me in my work is that students always feel comfortable and acknowledged and respected in any place that they are and we're welcome in and really push that they get a good nice. education in a comfortable environment. I love it. You know, we have a very thriving uh, Latinx population. Uh, what would you say to them in Spanish right now? They're um, listening. <laughs> On the spot. On the spot. <laughs> es muy importante um, hablar español todos los días por trabajar mejor vida tu familia. Oh, my goodness. I understood that it's very important. I got that part. Yeah. Can you tell us, uh, for those that don't speak Spanish, what you just said? I said it's very important to work hard every day for a better life for your family. Wow. Beautiful. And this is all in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. I'm so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Deb, you started off uh, with where you work, and um, I know that you were part of the Learning Commons um, for a couple of years ago, but tell us why representation matters and where you're from. 
Well, I was part of the Learning Commons for about six years, and representation does matter. I worked with um, learning assistants who are student employees, Mm -hmm. and they were embedded in the classrooms, and they would work with their peers, hold study groups, and we would hire peer students who looked like their students. Mm -hmm. So um, I call the Learning Commons a little United Nations. (laughs) I love it. Um, There are so many different cultures there, so many different learning styles. Mm. Um, And so I got pictures of all of my learning assistants, and I put it on a poster, and it's hanging in my office now Mm. in the Cesar Chavez Center. Nice. So that students can see themselves. That's good. Most of those students have graduated or transferred to other institutions, Mm -hmm. and they're being successful. And if they see themselves represented or other students that look like them, then they know that they can do it and be successful. I agree with that. It's really about a sense of belonging that I believe each of your programs are creating for students here on the campus. And so in that mindset, I have a quote. I want to read it, and whoever wants to jump in and respond, your knee-jerk reaction to this quote, um, let let me hear from you. So the quote reads, You can only aspire for what you can see yourself in. I'll read it again. You can only aspire for what you can see yourself in. What does that quote say to you and the work that you're doing with students? Anyone? I can go first. I I think it says that it's important to be a role model. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times I don't think of myself being a role model, but you work hard to put yourself in a position to be a role model so students can aspire to, you know, get a better education, work hard, and achieve things they want to do. I love that. What about you, Amina? I think the representation informing how you move forward, it can even be sublime. Mm. I had eight black male educators throughout my K-12 education, and I had no idea how rare of an experience that was Mm. until somebody told me. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have all this representation. I have seen all these things. Um, And possibilities are broader for me in ways I didn't even notice. I love that. I love that. Deb, did you want to share? I did, Dr. Bailey. It is important that people see that they can do it, right? Mm -hmm. It's important to share your story, your personal story Mm -hmm. with each student that you meet. Um, Because relationships, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents were young. They were 16 when my mom had me. And it was a struggle. Sure. Um, And so I like to share my story about how I grew up. But sharing your story, building relationships, that's how you create belonging. I love that. I love. Thank you so much for responding to to that quote. Um, I feel that, you know, representation is beyond uh, racial makeup. Mm -hmm. Representation matters about different experiences, backgrounds. And and I kind of live by the notion that you can't be it if you haven't seen it. Right. And so I appreciate that. Well, listen. You're in for a treat because this is the first time we get to play a game that I call If, (laughs) right here on Arts, Artists, and Advocates, it's a fun game. I'm going to say a statement that starts with the word if, and then you're going to just tell me what, what your responses will be coming to mind. Are you ready to play? All right, here we go. So here's the first uh, if statement. If diversity was a food or a cereal, what would it be for you, Dr. Nate? Uh, I'll say Fruity Pebbles because it's a lot of different <laughs> colors, and that's my favorite cereal growing up. 
Elbows. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You get surprised for that. Okay, Amina, what would it be for you? A charcuterie board. Wow. I love. Can you make a charcuterie board? Can I can. I'm a snacker. <laughs> we got a bunch of foodies here, and that's okay. All right, Deb. So I thought about that, and I picked granola. Oh, that type of cereal because you just throw in all your favorite like fruits yes. and make it crunchy and and granola so healthy for you too. And that. <laughs> okay, you guys are off to a great start. This is it's a tie. It's a tie. Um, I've got our second question. If equity was an animal, what would it be for you, Amina? I think a jellyfish. Ooh, why? It, fluid, transparent. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. Lasting. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, Deb, I see your I see your eyes going. <laughs> Can I copy Amina? Yeah, sure. Because that is a beautiful answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to say, oh, a dog, because a dog is friendly and loves everybody and unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like Amina's answer. <laughs> I want jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Nate, you can't choose jellyfish. I won't choose jellyfish. Already <laughs> taken. <laughs> I would say a lion because it's the king and not, is to be feared. And it, at the end of the day, it'll eventually win. So you can run around and dance, man. You could be, but you'll be the prey for the lion. Wonderful. Okay, listen, I got one more question. You all are doing great. All are doing great. Okay, if inclusion was a song, and I do want singing. Okay, if inclusion was a song, what would it be or what would it sound like? Is it yeah. my turn? Yes, I'm going straight to okay. you. Can I sing it? Go ahead. And you join in with me, Dr. Okay. Bailey, because you have the best voice no, ever. No, no, But thank you. Okay, here we go. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. That's it. It's the old Coke commercial for yes. those of you that are close to my age. I love it. Okay, top that, Dr. Nate. All right, I'm going to try to. I would say Whitney Houston's greatest love of all because it starts Ooh. with children are our future. Oh. Oh, Dr. Nate. I believe the children are our future. All right. Uh, the voice. <laughs> yeah. It's turning into a totally different show today. Uh, you know, I think it would be a clap bass line. Ooh. Because Ooh. then we can all join in. We can all harmonize. Some of us can stomp. Some of us can have some oh, instrumentation. Some of us can sing. Oh, my gosh. Oh you my hit that God. out of the park. Her answers have been just right. <laughs> On point. Wow. Okay, so you all have just played the game called If, 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 If. And you did a fantastic job <laughs> learning uh, more about diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, diversity is all about variety. Equity is about us distributing. You know, I like to say equity is, is not giving everybody the same shoe, but giving them the shoe that fits for them. Right. And then inclusion is making sure everybody's voices matter. And you did that so wonderfully. So we're going to move right along to our next segment, really diving a little bit more in about representation and why it matters, particularly for student advocates. We all know that students uh, need advocates. uh, And I know that the CCLC, the the Cesar Chavez Learning Center at LCC, does an amazing job with that. So our topic today is so fitting because representation refers to the basic idea that if students see people like them 
or like their experiences uh, reflected in courses or other life um, opportunities, they're more likely to identify with that experience as well as succeed, right? Uh, and so I want us uh, all to kind of ponder this thought. Tell, tell me in the audience today about the programs you currently lead and how you embed inclusion inside of those programs. So we'll start with you, Dr. Nate. I know you just got here. Okay. <laughs> How about talk about Men About Progress? Okay. Um, for Men About Progress, we were, uh, about making the young men um, more responsible academically and socially, so wanting them to do better, and just giving them a- avenues and venues to find support on LCC's campus to make them the, their better self. So, And we include inclusion in every aspect of all the components of all the programs we have at the CCLC, but we really want to encourage those men to to do well, to aspire to, to do greater things and get the best out of their educational opportunities while on campus. Outstanding. So if you're listening and you have uh, you are a student here or you're you know, aspiring student of LCC, there is a support program called Men About Progress. And it also has, a, I know, a chapter uh, called Brother to Brother uh, that is designed to help you socially, academically, personally, and to know that you are included, right? So if you self-identify as male, join us. All right, Amina, talk to us. The same question goes to you as well, um, really about how you are creating uh, inclusive communities uh, within the WISE program. Absolutely. Um, you know, you Using representation as a segue, Mm -hmm. we have a job shadowing program. Oh, nice. There is a mentorship component, and those are both based around career aspirations. And so we try our best to match our participants with a woman who works in the field that she is in. And so... um, creating that inclusion by like, you don't just know this woman exists. You are included. You have a relationship with this person. I'm inviting you to participate in this career field in this way. And what exposure is that doing for students, right? You're able to, you know, get firsthand knowledge on different career fields outside of the classroom. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. One of my favorite things we did over the summer was having some students report back about their job shadowing experience. Mm. Um, And as somebody who has had job shadowing experience, I know it cannot always (laughs) It can surprise you sometimes, Uh but they, you know, these were students who were reporting back about being able to be placed in something in their field of interest, something they were majoring in. And to be included, you know, in the job shadowing, they were showing up as someone who was curious about the space, but they were welcomed as someone who was a participant in that organization. That's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So the access program uh, that you're coordinating Right now, Deb, how are you creating inclusive communities through that opportunity for students? Well, first I want to talk about being welcoming. Mm. Okay. So the Cesar Chavez Learning Center, located in the Arts and Science Building, room 1313. Say that again. I want people to come in and visit, right? Um, We have popcorn, (laughs) we have soft music, we have tutors there. Um, We have created a space that is warm and welcoming, Mm. and we want students to feel like they belong. So when they walk through that door and we know them, we say, oh, hi, Amina. Mm -hmm. Oh, hi, Ty. Oh, hi, Dr. Nate. Or, you know, hi, Colleen. We say their name. 
if you say someone's name, That's good. it creates a sense of belonging. And then if we don't know them, we still greet them when they come through those doors. Yes. Hi, how are you? What's happening today? You know, and, and then we get to know them and we introduce ourselves and we ask them their name and what we can do for them. And then we develop that relationship, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the access program does a variety of things. Um, to sum it up in a nutshell, I feel like I'm the connector, <laughs> that I can connect students to their academic success coach. Nice. I can help them connect to the learning commons where the tutors are. I can help them with parking things. I can help them with financial aid. I feel like I am the connector. I feel that's what access does. And I want to break down barriers, nice. right? Mm-hmm. You know, because college can be weird <laughs> and strange. And we throw out these acronyms, right? Like the CCLC. What, what is, is that? that? <laughs> the Cesar Chavez Learning Center, um, located in the Arts and Science Building, first floor. So I just want to break down these barriers. And I feel that is what access is. A student can come in and say, Deb, I need help with this parking thing. What can I do? I'm I will take them where they need to go. I have witnessed that. I have seen you you in action. Yeah, like where do I get food from, right? Because that's a concern. So I feel like the access program was meant for me and I was meant for it. And we can help students by making them feel welcome and like they belong. And if Mm -hmm. we can break down these little things Mm -hmm. like parking, because I had a student who said I was going to turn around and go home because I couldn't find a parking spot, wow. you know. So little things like that—that's a barrier. Right. Um, not having your star card—that's mm-hmm. a barrier. I yeah. had to take students over to the star zone and say, "This is where you get your star card." And you know what? You might need it to get access to a certain building. Right. Well, right. you know, what you're talking about is making sure folks representation that they matter, however they show up and eliminating the the various barriers, using your word, that might inhibit their success. And it's not just only in the classroom. Our faculty does an amazing job, but it's also getting to the classroom, right? Getting <laughs> finding a place, a place to park in order to be in class. Um, I think that that's amazing, Deb, and that you've done a wonderful job. Uh, for our listener now is to know this is access. We go be above and beyond the staff does to make sure that every person feels respected and welcomed and that they have representation uh, that matters. So I want to do one more deep dive in this last segment of the show. I call it getting comfortable talking about uncomfortable topics. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so I want to ask my guest today uh, to think about your earliest recollection of your racial identity and how that plays into your work that you're doing now. So your earliest recollection and, and do it in maybe like 30, 30 seconds. Like, so when was it? When did you first know about your racial identity? Dr. Colon. Um, For me, probably when I was younger, my grandfather didn't speak English. So I was just wondering like, what is he speaking? Why is he not speaking English? And then we had to learn how to communicate with him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of my family did, but living with my mother, we spoke English, so the rest of my family spoke Spanish. So I think that was a barrier for me to learn how to speak Spanish and learn how to talk to him. And then just understanding where he comes from, because a lot of times people took his lack of Spanish as a lack of intelligence, and that mm-hmm. bothered me my whole life. So I'm really sensitive about helping students who are English as their second language um, assimilate in and accommodate into our culture, but also keeping their own heritage and traditions and those things. So I think that really stuck with me at an early age. 
That is amazing. You know, th- those uh, uh, individuals that uh, English is not their first uh, language, yeah. it's important that they feel that they are represented exactly. well and that they matter. And so to have an advocate like you yeah. is key. <laughs> yeah. Amina, I'm coming to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, same question applies, your earliest recollection of your racial identity. And how do you use that in the work that you do? So I always knew I was black. Mm-hmm. But when I was eight years old, I found out that I was light skinned. Ah. And um, I had a routine of staring at myself to take this information in because I can't see myself when I go out in the world. And Mm. so this is something I need to recognize because the older I got, people treated me differently. And I take the awareness of that, that I don't just experience blackness the same way other people do. But there might be spaces in which I have some privilege. Mm. And I let that inform me in interactions with other black women, but also in spaces that perhaps other black women do not have access to. That's amazing. I think um, when we identify or, or, or talk about uh, these types of experiences, we're also learning about everyone's journey. And that is opening up a, an awareness that uh, wasn't there before. So, Deb, what was your first recollection of your racial identity and how do you use that in the work that you do with students? So, Dr. Bailey. Mm-hmm. I identify as white. Okay. I have a certain privilege. Mm-hmm. So I really never like yes. had to think about that, yes. right? Yes. Um, so for me, it was to answer your question, it's more of a financial, socioeconomic mm-hmm. thing because my parents were 16, mm-hmm. they were on welfare. Mm-hmm. So there was a divide there. Also, growing up in the 70s, oh my! <laughs> Title IX just came in. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of um, a sexual thing mm-hmm. about male versus female okay. in sports. And I played sports a little bit. And the disparity yes. between the men's sports and the women's sports mm-hmm. and when Title IX came in, that was a big thing for me. Right. So that's right. kind of where I can go with that question. Yeah, no, it's, it's really a great response and gives us more insight into uh, your awareness. Uh, and I think the whole purpose of the question as we're doing a deeper dive uh, is to really talk about, you know, our first recollection and having that awareness and then how we're bridging that into the work that we do, allowing students to get to know us and to get to know the people that are leading programs such as this. I got one more and then we're going to wrap up uh, possibly today. Hasn't this been fun already? Right. Yes. <laughs> you may. You made it. You made it. Um, so talk to our listeners about um, how your programs, how they can get more involved in access, in Men About Progress, in the Cedar Service Learning Center, and WISE. What do you want, if you're listening right now and knowing that students are out there, what would you want to say to them and why should they get involved in the work that you do? I'm going to start with Amina this time. All right. I'll go with the Chavez Center first because you are welcome. Mm. It is the first thing you see when you walk in. You are welcome. Everyone is welcome. Nice. I love it. Um, For why specifically, I would encourage you to check out our website. Our applications are live. For mentors, we are accepting mentors for the cohort beginning next year. We are also accepting applications until October 13th for participants. Mm -hmm. 
if you are interested in the Wise Institute and would love some um, focus pointed direction in your career from a woman in that field, nice. please check out the site. And if you are a mentor, right? And Absolutely. Or want, wanting to volunteer to give back to a student um, and share your expertise, your experience, your knowledge, I think this will be a great opportunity. All right, Dr. Nate. I think the first thing is just come through the doors of the Cesar Chavez Learning Center. We have a lot of programs and activities that people get involved in. And just coming in, we'll find something that fits you. We don't want to, we want something that's going to be unique to your experience and that yes. you're going to enjoy and get fulfillment out of because we know everybody's time is valuable and busy. So you come through the doors, we'll find something for you. So just come on in. We'll find whatever fits and matches and fits your purpose and what you're trying to get accomplished. That's a slogan. Come through the doors and we'll find something for you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Deb, you got the last one. Okay. So I ditto what Dr. Nate said. Come through the doors. However, I want to get a shout out to the faculty. Yes. Okay. Um, the Cesar Chavez Learning Center used to be over in Gannon. Mm -hmm. Was it the second or third floor? Third floor. Yeah. So way over there in the corner. Now we are visible. We're yes. in a new space in the Arts and Science Building. Let me guess. 1313. Th 13, 13. 13. <laughs> Say it with me. Yeah. So I would like faculty to bring their classes nice. for yeah. a tour, right? Mm -hmm. I would also like to invite faculty to hold their office hours in the Cesar Chavez. Come where the students are, meet the students yes. where they're at. That's um, amazing. That's what yeah, I And I would throw in there the community, right? So those of you who are listening today, you can uh, stop by the Cesar Chavez Learning Center, meet Dr. Cologne, meet Amina, and meet Deb Kay, uh, and all of the great works that they're doing. And they do a lot of great programming that invites the community in. And so the opportunities are endless. Will you please put your hands together and thank my guest today? This has been an amazing conversation, and we are super, super glad that you all came. And I know that folks are going to be reaching out to you as soon as they hear this podcast today. So I want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast-based broadcast. You can find more information on demand at lccconnect.com. Go ahead, do it today. Arts, Artists, and Advocates is a series of conversations and performances that explore diversity, equity, and inclusion through the arts and activism. We're highlighting the work of people on our campus and in our community that's making a difference. I've been your host, Dr. Tanya Bailey, and I'm reminding you that you matter. We'll see you next time. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Embracing diversity is a continuing process one that requires honesty, cooperation, and meaningful conversations. At Lansing Community College, we understand our journey towards inclusion and equity begins with an examination of how we relate to one another. The Office of Diversity and Inclusion has partnered with the Office of Police and Public Safety to create We're Better Than That, an anti-bigotry campaign. To find out more about We're Better Than That, visit lcc.edu. Just now, another kid dropped out of school. 
There's one every 20 seconds, over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that, and that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. On the success scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Definitely now after second semester, my self-confidence is up there. I can do this and I can do this well. Age has nothing to do with it. Like I told you before, I have, the, I have notes from that first meeting and it was take your age out of it. You deserve to be here. You belong here. I'm Dustin Abrego. The Success Scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. The University Center at Lansing Community College collaborates with five four-year universities to provide easy transfer pathways for more than 30 bachelor's degrees programs. Visit lcc.edu slash uc to learn more. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. On today's episode of Who's That Star, we have someone who came to LCC as their second career. She earned a bachelor's degree from Ferris State University in 1989. From Ferris, she began a career with the Kent County Sheriff's Department in 1992 as a correction officer. She earned a promotion and was promoted to sergeant in 2007. She was in charge of the training unit, where she was responsible for coordinating the training for all road patrol, corrections, and dispatch personnel. She earned a master's degree from Grand Valley State University in 2003. This star then became, this star began teaching at Grand Rapids Community College as an adjunct professor. She taught criminal justice and correction courses. She did a stint with the University of Phoenix at their Walker campus prior to their closing in 2015. From 2005 to 2007, she was a part of the advisory board for the Michigan Sheriff's Coordinating and Training Council. This is the governing body for training all jail officers in the state of Michigan. 
She's also taught courses in correctional law, prisoner behavior, stress management, and suicide awareness as a certified instructor in these areas. After retiring from Kent County Sheriff's Department in 2015, she came to LCC to begin her career with us. She is the lead faculty advisor in the adult corrections program. In 2017, she started the local corrections academy at LCC. Everybody, are you ready to find out who's today's star? Let's welcome Tamara McDearman. Hi, Lisa. It's great to be here. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm really ready to learn more about your program and learn about you. So, yes, again, thanks again for um, coming down here. My first question is, can you tell me a little bit about who you are and what is important to you in your life right now? Well, um, I was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, and decided at a really early age that uh, criminal justice, the law side, was something that I was very interested in. Um, community uh, seemed to be very important in my life, and that steered me toward all of my decisions that um, I was making. And so family is very important to me. Um, helping others in my community is very important mm-hmm. to me. And that seemed to kind of spearhead kind of the career decisions that I made as I move forward, not only in my academic life, but in my professional life. So it's sort of continued to where I am today. Yeah, you really had to like corrections because you did it. Normally, a lot of times when people retire from a specific job or something, they may want to go into a whole different area. And you kind of just kind of further your knowledge in that area so that you could pass that along. But we'll talk more about that. I get ahead of myself. No, it's fine. But um, I know you taught at several other institutions, but how did you get started at LCC? Um, Becoming a professor or a teacher at the academic level um, requires, number one, deciding that you really want to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so um, that started while I was uh, in my career as a corrections officer. I became a trainer, which basically is you deciding you're going to train or teach your fellow officers. So I started doing that very early on in my career. Um, And then you realize that at some point in your career, you have to start thinking about what happens next, what Mm -hmm. happens after. Um, And that's what spurred me on to get my master's degree. And um, I got my master's degree with the intent of going into um, college education, being an instructor following my retirement. Um, But to do that, you really have to kind of get your feet wet. Mm-hmm. And so academic adjunct work was how I kind of started. I'm um, just trying to see if that was actually what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so the opportunity with me still working um, at the time was to try and pick up um, classes at the area colleges where I was working, where I was living at the time. As I got closer to retirement, then I could start looking for full-time opportunities. Right. And um, I was starting to kind of look around for uh, open positions. And there was one that was at LCC. Um, and I, I, didn't, I knew that Lansing Community College existed, but mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot about the college atmosphere. Um, and when I looked at their mission and statement and values, um, I found that it had a lot to do with what I was trying to accomplish. Okay. 
And so um, I applied for it and um, actually was given the opportunity to start working while I was finishing up my last six months before retirement. So I was actually kind of juggling both jobs, um, working at LCC and then going and finishing up until I could actually retire from Kent County. So I was kind of juggling both jobs until I was fully retired from Kent County. Wow. Okay. Hey, that's a great story. And and you did the work, you know, you did the prep work. Yeah. You kind of was thinking about what you wanted to do and investigated, And then you laid the groundwork out a couple of years before you were ready to do that. And so I'm taking note of that because when I retire, I kind of want to do the, the same, like similar. Um, now you talked about, um, your role here a little bit, like how you got here, but I would like to know more about what you do here at LCC. And I also want to talk about the Corrections Academy too. My main um, job is as lead faculty advisor for the adult corrections program. Now what that entails is really taking any student that is interested in becoming part of the corrections program. And what a lot of people think is when I say corrections, they automatically think that that means that they want to be a corrections officer, either in the prisons or the jails. But corrections really encompasses so much more mm-hmm. um, because corrections also means getting involved maybe with probation uh-huh. or the parole part of corrections, maybe uh-huh. even being involved in what we call um, intermediate or alternative sanctions. Those people that are on um home arrest, electronic tether, halfway houses, things like that. So being in corrections doesn't mean that you have to be in an institution and be a corrections officer there. There are a lot of different avenues that you can be involved with being in the correctional system. So my job is um, to get those students educationally prepared Mm -hmm. to be able to go into whatever part of the corrections system they would like to work in and be able to have that base knowledge, that educational awareness Mm -hmm. uh, before they go into those positions where they're then going to be given and learn the tasks that they have to know. Um, There is a lot of education that they really should know before they learn the tasks that they have to perform. Right. And that's a different distinction. Yes, absolutely. It is. So um, my program basically consists of five really distinct classes that are um, kind of a subgroup from criminal justice in general. Okay. So if somebody's interested in corrections and they want to take an introduction to corrections course, which is kind of a base uh, introduction to what corrections is, mm-hmm. how we got here, where we're going, what it entails. And then, and then they take, um, kind of a secondary level, which is called correctional institutions, which is that just one step up. Okay. So we delve a little bit deeper into those, um, that we started to talk about in the intro class. Um, and then we talk a little bit about correctional clients. What are the specific groups that you will see inside our correctional institutions or on probation and parole? Okay. A lot of the people that we see within our correctional system are not um, have special needs, have special designations such as having chronic illnesses, mm. um, being mentally ill, mm-hmm. um, Having that subgroup designation, such as being a female, females are a very low percentage of the overall mm-hmm. correctional 
uh, population, things like that. So we talk about those. But then we also have to teach them the law mm-hmm. and what uh, the laws are that generate how we have to abide by those. And then we give them some um, human relations, how to communicate, not only with their fellow um, co-workers, but with the people that they come in contact with every day. And so we have a couple of different avenues that they can within our program. They can take those five classes and then they can apply to the Michigan Department of Corrections and get uh, they can get a certificate and go to work with the Michigan Department of Corrections. Yeah, because I know uh, they are they hungry. <laughs> I they see are, them all around trying to, you know, at different events to try to recruit people. So, yes. and I think you said that's five classes yes. to a really good living. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a good information to know. And then if they want to go on for their associate's degree and possibly then their bachelor's degree, we have a lot of other classes that mesh with those Mm -hmm. that they should be taking. Um, And a lot of those are in the uh, general education area. Right. Um, Things like psychology and sociology Mm -hmm. and um, learn how to recognize some of those uh, facets of the human condition. Right. Because the people that you come in contact with, whether they're offenders in probation or parole or the inmate offenders that are within our institutions, they are human beings. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn how to communicate and manage them in those spaces. Right. And so, um, education doesn't stop just with the five that will eventually get you a job. We always encourage our students to extend their education beyond that. So that they can get that extra knowledge. So what's the Corrections Academy? Like, is that different from what? It is. The uh, LCC Local Corrections Academy is for those who want to become a jail officer. Okay. Okay. And so what a lot of the general public doesn't recognize or maybe doesn't know is that there is a distinction within our correction system between prisons and jails. Mm -hmm. And so jails are what you will find in every county within the um, state of Michigan. Prisons are run by the state of Michigan, and therefore there is a distinction. Uh, Prisons are going to house offenders who have been convicted of a felony, and therefore their sentence is for uh, a year or more. Mm -hmm. Those that are operating jails at the local level are for those individuals who are stepping in at the very first part of their contact with police. So we have a lot of um, different types of individuals that come into jail. Mm -hmm. Everybody from very newly arrested to those who are serving sentences for for offenses under a year. Mm. So it's a very diverse population that jails uh, operate under. And so jail officers have to have a little bit different set of skills, but they also don't have um, the same type of training, so mm. to speak. And so they're governed by two very different bodies. Okay. And so the prison officers, prison uh, corrections officers, are overseen by the Michigan Department of Corrections. The jail officers are overseen by the Michigan Sheriff's Coordinating and Training Council. Oh, okay. And so the Corrections Academy that we have here at LCC is overseen by the Michigan uh, Coordinating uh, Training Council that um, we work with. So that's certified. So they can come 
and they can take this academy and then with a physical agility test and a written test, they can make themselves certifiable to go to any sheriff's department in the state of Michigan and be employable. Wow! And so just like the um, state of Michigan is looking for uh, corrections officers, most sheriff's offices in the state of Michigan are just as um, in need of local corrections officers wow. at this point. And so right now we are running two corrections academies a year. We want to run in the fall and one in the spring. Okay. And so, um, we, uh, all you have to do is give, uh, our office a call and get information about when those applications are ready to be accepted. Oh, wow. I, I really, no, well, first of all, thank you for the explanation because, you know, you don't always know. You say jail. I say it interchangeably. Jail, prison. You know, I never really make a distinction, and it's good to know the distinction. And also the skill set, right? Because when you're interacting with people on a longer-term basis, there are certain skills. But when you have people coming in and out at shorter distance, I mean, like time frames, mm-hmm. There, you know, you may need to have certain skills that are immediate right there. You know, like I noticed you had suicide awareness, mm-hmm. someone who's first time coming into jail, they may experience that, Correct. you know, and so being able to see that. And I think that that's, I didn't never, I never knew that what right. the academy was. So I think that's a great, a great thing. And it's not like going to be expensive. Because the community college here Correct. will be able to get you at a decent rate. Correct. So I think I, I, I commend you on that. Thank you. Great Thank job. Thank you very much. So I got to ask you, you've accomplished a lot, but what's one work-related thing you want to accomplish in the next year? Well, right now I'm uh, found that one of my classes that is an, an elective, it's not one of my required classes, is a class that's specific to jails and local detentions. Um, and because it's an elective, it's not run very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was going and looking through the learning outcomes and stuff like that, um, it doesn't have a textbook. So I went looking for a textbook, couldn't find a textbook. So what I'm doing right now is I'm writing a textbook. So that's a, is that OER? Or? Um, actually, I, I don't know that it'll be OER um, okay. because there's not a lot of um, information out there. So at be- this point, I am doing the research and I hope to, within the next year, have the research done and the book written wow. and ready for publication. That's the one thing that I hope to accomplish. Okay, well, that's year. a big thing. That's a big thing. It is, but you sound like you definitely have the experience to do that. So I look forward to seeing your name and bright lights for uh, becoming an author. Have you written any other books or is this no. going to be your first? Ex- this will okay. be my first attempt. So, so this is a big deal. So good luck to you you on that. Okay, we kind of found out a little bit about your work life and some of the things that you've done before you came to LCC. Well, I'd like to know, like, what's your life like outside of LCC? Uh, Well, I'm married. Okay. um, And uh, my wife and I have uh, six children and three grandchildren. Six children? Yeah. You look Uh, sane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, one of the things about our relationship is that the the children were from the previous relationships. Okay. Um, And so they're all adults. Oh, good. Uh, Yeah. So, um, but we do have one that's still at home. He's a senior in high school. Okay. So he'll be graduating this year. And um, we're, he's looking at programs here at LCC that might interest him Mm -hmm. for his future. Um, But our three grandkids are the 
light of our lives. They they love to come over and spend time. And uh, mostly, uh, she is still a corrections officer at oh, okay. uh, the Kent County Sheriff's Office. And so um, our lives are pretty, I would say, kind of normal. Uh-huh. You know, um, we do things when we can based on her schedule. And when uh, we get time to do vacations and stuff, we involve the family when we can and okay. do um, just kind of normal family stuff. Just family oriented. Pretty much, yeah. Getting this last child out is a big deal. My daughter's a senior too, so I'm excited. I can't imagine you both being like, this is it, this is the last yeah. one. And then we can live our best life. Not that parenting is not the best life, no, but, but it's a it's a difficult it's life. A, it's sometimes. a different life, yeah. So yeah, so that's a great thing. I'm excited for you on that because I can't wait for Michaela to get out of high school. <laughs> so you're kind of normal, normal family stuff. Well, what some are, what are some of your hobbies, and how did you get into them? Uh, I have a couple of kind of probably interesting hobbies, um, if you kind of know me. Um, I love to read, mm-hmm. um, and I my my reading genre tends to be historical hi- mysteries. Oh yeah, I like um, and so uh, anything to do with um, 15th, 16th century mm. type of mysteries, and uh, but anything that has a historical backdrop to it, just enough history to make you think that it could have happened. Right. I love those kind of books. But I also took up uh, jewelry making. Oh, okay. Um, I My niece just recently had a baby, and when I found out she was pregnant, um, I wanted to kind of do something unique. Mm-hmm. So I found that I could make a little medallion. I could stamp it. Mm. Um, and so that started kind of a whole downward spiral of trying to make, so I make, um, uh, earrings and bracelets and stuff for just members of my family right now, but it gives me something that kind of an outlet. Right. Uh, but the biggest thing that I love doing is, is fishing. Oh, okay. Uh, so my wife and I have a pontoon boat. Oh. And so during the summertime, we get that out as often as we possibly can. Yeah. Any days off we have, anything that we're not scheduled to do, we uh, take the pontoon out and we get on the boat and we just relax and we do fishing. And that gives us our kind of unwind time with everything that, that goes on in the world and just out on the lake we go yeah and uh spend all day fishing hey that sounds pretty cool i i used to go fishing but they told me i talked too much and scared the fishes away so i had to you know um i like it though but i think um, maybe people don't want me there and i like that you're a reader i'm a reader too books are they give you that immediate pleasure yes. you know you can hold the book and read i like the paperbacks and stuff like that i'm not too good on the kindles yet but I do a lot of audiobooks, especially because I, I oh, have yeah, a little bit travel. of a commute. Yeah. So I, I listen a lot to audiobooks. Um, the Great Courses, um, which is from the teaching company, mm-hmm. you can learn a lot from their courses, and you're listening to um, really well-known professors across the United oh, wow. States. And uh, so you can take courses that'll teach you about certain things, too. So yeah. um, audiobooks, and then I do have a lot of paperback books. Oh, yeah, I have to get into the audiobooks. My mind is just limited. Okay, we... See, I could talk to you. I got a lot of a lot of questions left, but I'm going to get down to the last two. I'm skipping some, but I'm going to get no to problem. the last two. First one is 
go green or go blue? Oh, it's go green all the way. Thank you. I have two daughters that are currently at MSU. Um, We have one daughter that's just finishing med school. Okay. And the other one is a junior. So it's, and and I've been a fan of of MSU since I was in middle school. So it's always been Michigan State. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm a Spartan fan, and I'm biased, and I shouldn't cheer for people when they say which one, but I am excited that you are. Oh, we great. go to all the Michigan women's basketball games, that we, Michigan State basketball games of Ken. Oh, great. Yeah, absolutely. And that's good. They need support, oh, yeah, too, you do. know. Absolutely. All right. I want to ask you, um, do you live by any piece or advice? Piece of advice or a motto for your last question? I do. And actually, it's tattooed on my arm. It's okay. everything happens for a reason. Oh. Um, it was something that my mom used to tell me. Uh, uh-huh. She passed away about eight years ago. Okay. And um, But if something happened that I would, would bring me down or that I wasn't expecting or that, you know, something like that, she would always kind of pay, take me by the shoulders and look at me and say, listen, everything happens for a reason. You just don't know what it is yet. Right. And so, um, you know, especially with like the pandemic and things that have happened and some things that uh, have occurred in the last couple of years that maybe we don't know the reason or why it's been happening or anything like that. All I have to do is kind of look at my arm and go, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And that's kind of how I live. Hey, and it's comforting, you know, my mom's was this too shall pass. Yeah. And so I, I, I like that, you know, you just have to something that you can focus on that can kind of like, okay, don't go down that, that negative hole, you know? So I, I love that. Um, I think you should come back because I have more questions to ask you, and I think you were a great guest, and unfortunately, we're out of time, but I really appreciate you coming on Who's That Star? You invite me back, I'll come back. All right, I definitely will. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out who's that star. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that help to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply prior credits toward their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash you belong. There's been a rumor going around my school lately about a new draft. So I decided to check out the facts. Turns out there is no draft. And if there ever was going to be one, we'd have plenty of notice. But you know what else I found out? Young men like me still need to register with Selective Service when we turn 18. Why register when there's no draft? Well, first off, it's the law. Guys have had to register for almost 60 years. Second, if you're a guy living in the U.S. and you don't register, you get shut out of important opportunities like college loans, job training, good jobs, and even a driver's license in most states. 
But I guess for me, I register because it's the right thing to do. Things are crazy in this world right now. And if the country ever does decide it needs me, I'm going to do my part. Guys, register with Selective Service when you turn 18. Go to sss.gov or your local post office. The LCC Library empowers the Lansing community to learn, teach, and discover. Located on the second and third floors of the Technology and Learning Center at the corner of Capitol and Shiawassee on LCC's downtown campus, the LCC Library's ambient spaces are available to the public for work, study, or quiet personal projects. In addition, those with memberships at collaborating libraries are free to check out materials from the LCC Library's collections. For more information, visit lcc.edu library. Twenty-three million small businesses are open for business in the United States, providing more than half of all American jobs. What helps these small businesses thrive? A location where people need its services. The availability of good transportation. A well-trained labor force and a healthy infrastructure. An attractive streetscape and comfort and safety for pedestrians. Good planning connects small businesses to the customers they need, fostering the competition that helps healthy businesses grow. Whether you own a small business, work at a small business, or bought from a small business, and that's just about all of us, make the connection. Learn more at planning.org. That's planning.org. A message from this station and the American Planning Association. 